0: Hi, everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is. Are these books drunk? By now they better be. I
1: know! <gasps> Brandy, I'm Emma, and I'm Mariana. This is your booklet with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. <laughs> <Woo>! Yeah! <laughs> this month we've been reading the exquisitely dark and incredibly compelling novel, The Push, by Ashley Ordrain. First off, I can't believe this is it. Not only are we finishing up our discussion of what I have to say has been one of my favorite books to date. Mm-hmm but we are also closing out season one. Crazy. (laughs) We did it, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) This is so bittersweet. The pandemic, it did not get the best of us. Nope. Last week, we gabbed about comparing ourselves to other women, how we've been practicing to conquer that default. We gushed over our significant others, affirmed our strength as women, and admitted our visions of motherhood. We did it all. Yay! Woo! <laughs> for the last time this season, what deliciously decadent drink will we be drinking this gorgeous Ooh. spring afternoon, E? <laughs> AKA DJ M's, AKA Thea Emma.
2: Oh, hey. oh, my personalities. <laughs> <laughs> what personality came out of you in that drink, Mariana? I love it. <laughs> it's like a new, a new color for you. <laughs> Well, today's drink is delicious and it is decadent. And it's the perfect way to go out for season one. Yeah! Today's cocktail is called Curtain Call. <laughs> oh, oh you cue God. the sobs <laughs> ricardo came up with this one in a clever way he was thinking about after dinner drinks as if this cocktail were the digestif for our long entree with this book which is how oh. he came up right i know mm. hello ricardo <laughs> <laughs> which is how he came up with using port as one of the ingredients then he rounded it out with something smoky and something sweet to satisfy all the palates. Love it. And for our non imbibers Mommy <laughs> Mariana, mm. won't you tell the listeners what amazing
1: mocktail you'll be <laughs> sipping on today? Well, I'll be <laughs> sipping on the most appropriate mocktail to finish this book and one that I have never actually had before. The Shirley Temple. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you've never had a Shirley Temple before? This is my first Shirley Temple.
0: Wow. I've been drinking for a very long time, I guess. (laughs) She was a Shirley Temple Virgin. Yeah, I was a Shirley Temple
1: Virgin.
0: <laughs> and we popped your cherry. <laughs> that was the better joke. Get Actually, it? two that of them.
3: <laughs> Ooh.
2: <laughs> All right. For the last time this season, let's bring our brilliant bartender in here to share the recipe for our curtain call.
1: What is up, Ricardo? Woo! Ooh, Ricardo, Ricardo
3: Ricardo Oh yeah Ciao ladies welcome to the bar
0: Hi hi, hi.
3: ready for our finale oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for the finale but I'm ready for this drink I'll tell Good. you that <laughs> yes. Good. perfect
3: So you're ready for our cocktail of the day that is the curtain call Oh
0: uh, yes
1: appropriate
3: okay. for this ending
1: very much so <laughs>
3: So, for this cocktail, we're gonna need a couple of weird ingredients, and I'm gonna give you the substitution. First thing is an ounce of mezcal that is gonna give us a little bit of smokiness.
0: Sorry, Mariana, I'm not surprised.
3: The second one is an ounce of Madeira or an ounce of port. So a mm. sweet wine, uh, fortified wine. Mm. Uh, three-quarter of an ounce of lemon juice, a quarter of an ounce of maraschino liqueur, and half of an ounce of agave syrup. You can go for the honey syrup if you want, just because you can actually change a little bit of the sweetness uh, of, uh, of the cocktail. Mm. If you go for the for the honey syrup, go for a 3 to 1 ratio. Mm. Okay? So this is another egg white cocktail. So we're going to need another egg white or, in my case, the fee foam, rather magical foam that is vegan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to dry shake our ingredients and then we're going to do the actual shake. And finally, we're going to pour our drink up... And as a garnish, because we're going to have, like, this nice thick foam from the egg, we're going to just use, as Brandon did, uh, nutmeg powder. Or if, you, in my case, you have the dry nutmeg, you just grate a, a little He's bit so of... It's
0: so fancy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh,
3: not too much, because I don't know if you know, but nutmeg is actually a super powerful uh, hallucinogenic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what?
0: Yes, I had no idea.
3: That's why you look like this, Brandy. Now,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think that you can actually go with the powder for the same effect because you're gonna have probably two f- two finger of of powder on top of your drink. But yeah, don't don't go too much because that makes us. It. Yes, it's a super intense flavor and smell so you're mm. gonna overpower completely the cocktail
0: yeah but it's perfect it complements so nicely the flavors <laughs> that you put together yeah. I, I have to say Ricardo this might be my favorite Ricardo original oh nice straight nice nice
3: this is so, my my favorite original so far
0: it's the perfect ending for it's our very
3: nice great thank, you. thank you, Brandon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's one upping himself every single time.
3: Every time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandy, and then a la vostra salute. Enjoy your curtain call. Thank
1: Gracias, you, Ricardo. Ricardo. Ciao, we'll miss you. Ciao. Bye. Bye.
0: Alright, women. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. I'm like crying into my drink. I know. We finally broke you, Brandy. <laughs> it took four almost 40 Never. episodes. I won't water down my cocktail. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> i really like this i told ricardo i think this is my favorite ricardo original cocktail wow. oh, it's so good and it looks so pretty
2: i think it looks like pee honestly
1: but it oh, tastes does... okay i guess i think <laughs> Look at it it's pretty it
0: kind of looks like beer. beer
1: yeah oh it does well it tastes great I need, i feel like i need to make another one this is delicious And I used the dry ginger ale from Gus. I think that's the brand. The organic dry ginger ale. Fancy
2: Shirley Temple.
1: Yeah, so it's not that sweet because already with the grendine, is very sweet and with the maraschino cherry. So it's like it's perfectly balanced. I try to balance it off like Ricardo always balances off his (laughs) (laughs) drinks. All right, women.
0: For the last time in season one, this week. Blythe and Gemma's year-long friendship blows up in her face when Fox shows up to pick Gemma up from the mommy group and discovers what Blythe has been up to. Gemma can't forgive Blythe and also doesn't believe her version of what happened to baby Sam. Violet continues to display some pretty disturbing behavior, disappearing from a school field trip that Blythe is chaperoning, taking a blade from Blythe's house and giving it to baby Jet to play with, and asking Blythe whether a cleaner could poison someone. It doesn't matter. Gemma and Fox don't believe anything she says. On the night that Blythe goes to Fox's house to finally deliver the manuscript she's been writing, the one we've been reading, she sees Violet through the window. Violet mouths the words, I pushed him. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. (laughs) A year and a half later, Violet and Blythe's relationship seems non-existent, though Violet is clearly always in her thoughts, in a hopeful way. Though Blythe seems to be making a concerted effort to move on and find peace. On this particular evening, though, she gets a frantic phone call. It's from Gemma, and her words to Blythe, the final words of the entire book, make up the best last line I've read in a long-ass time. Something happened Mm. to Jet.
1: (gasps) Oh, my God! (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, my God.
2: I have to ask you, Brandy, do you still feel like we're dealing with an unreliable narrator? (laughs)
0: well no but right up until the end well i can't say right up until the end right up until violet started you know taking the blade asking Mm -hmm. about the cleaner that's when it became pretty apparent that she's planning something terrible
1: i actually started thinking that i'm like nope she is a reliable source when she started calling her own self unhinged And deranged when she was Mm. talking about, like, when Gemma found out about her, she's like, well, how can I could ever have a relationship with her? She must think I'm unhinged and deranged. So she already was analyzing Mm, her own behavior, which a person that is kind of in that psychotic state wouldn't necessarily analyze themselves or describe themselves that way. So I was like, oh, my God, Blythe, this is... This is real. This is your truth. This is the actual truth. Yeah.
2: But I loved how Ashley tried to make us think that it wasn't by going back to that moment in the intersection and how the road wasn't the same. And then we get the details from Joe. And it was, you know, she wants us to start questioning
0: that maybe we were wrong.
2: Right. How Mm -hmm. this happened. I loved that. I loved that tactic.
0: Well, she wants Blythe to question almost like, did I get it wrong? Which you're right, Mariana. At the point that somebody's questioning that about themselves, I feel like they can't be unreliable because she's she's genuinely mm. wondering, could I have gotten this Am wrong? I Am crazy? I crazy? Could I have... Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point, like, no, I don't no. know if you can be. <laughs> but I'm... Well, sorry. At Brandy, you are
1: so right about that ending. The right? best line ever. Oh, my God. I loved, loved that. Loved it so much. Did
2: either of you envision what that thing was that happened to Jet? Or did you not even
1: think about it? If he, if she, if Violet asked Blythe, would the cleaner poison someone? Yeah. The same way she
0: asked about the traffic light? Right. Right.
1: That's then that's be gotta it. be I was it thinking do you, you
0: do you all think that baby jet is like is he dead is he hospitalized do you have any idea how what you think if you were to write another chapter like is baby jet gone what's happened to violet is has gemma left fox like oh. I hope gemma's left fox Yeah, I don't know how you Mm -hmm. could stay with him after he clearly was poisoning Gemma against Blythe, too, because there were earlier chapters where Blythe was saying that she was trying to get all of the lies he had told Gemma out of her. Yeah, I was going to say that moment, like at the... (laughs)
2: Where, yeah, she's trying to ask about Violet and about Violet's mom. Uh And then Gemma says about Blythe, seems like she's not the most loving human being, (sighs) from what I gather. Right. She has some issues. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, which I also was wondering, sorry, not to like change the topic a little bit, but when after Blythe was exposed... Because of Fox. So now once Gemma knew who she was and they met at the coffee shop Mm -hmm. and that's when Blythe told Gemma about what happened with Violet and she got up and left. I wasn't sure in that moment if it was because she was worried that, that she believed that what Blythe was saying was true. And so she ran off to go check on Jet and make sure that Jet was still okay. But then I think what it was was that she was so upset to hear her say this because she knew that wasn't true. That she was like, I can't even listen to this nonsense. And she left. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think she was Mm -hmm. disgusted that Blythe would say that. Because I think Fox has probably been telling her how crazy his ex-wife is this whole time. And so now to be Mm -hmm. faced with it, this woman saying my child murdered my other child instead of taking responsibility Mm -hmm. herself for taking her hands off the stroller, which is what everybody seems to think. I think Gemma probably thinks that's the most disgusting thing Blythe could say, to blame her own child. I also was really put
1: off by Gemma's reaction. Well, I was put off by the whole situation of her, Bly- of Blythe being so remorseful and feeling so guilty. And then I'm like, mm. yeah, but... You're not married to this man anymore because Gemma was the other woman to begin with. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. at fault here. Like for Gemma to be holier than
0: thou. I all was of waiting a for an apology yes, when they right. sat down. Something. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I was waiting for some acknowledgement that, like, hey, I fucked up here because I don't think it doesn't seem like they've had a conversation, Blythe and Gemma, right before, right. Doesn't seem that way.
2: Conversation before when?
0: Before at all, ever. Like it seems like Gemma met Blythe pretending to be Anne. Yeah. And it seems like Fox did everything he could to keep a distance between his old life and his new life. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's been any chance yet for Gemma to apologize or to say, I'm so sorry. Oh, about right. About the way oh, everything went down. Right. Exactly. Since she found out. Yes, 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 yes. Right. So when they sat down for tea, like you, Mariana, I was waiting for her to be like, we've both screwed each other over here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not one sided. Mm-hmm. We've both done fucked up shit. Exactly. To each other. Something to that effect. But we no. also
2: don't know, you know, Fox might have. And I bet he did lie a lot to Gemma about what that marriage was, you know, like, oh, she's gone crazy, like she's not well. And so if Gemma thought all those things about her, I can see how, I mean, it still doesn't make things right that you know that he left someone else for you, but I can see how it would make it like a little easier. Maybe. Is that a terrible thing to say?
1: No. I'm going to contradict myself here, though, because Blythe did get the painting back that she adored. Because Gemma was the one that told Fox to bring it back to Blythe after the fact, right? Yeah, but Gemma could have delivered it. Gemma could have delivered it.
0: I found myself feeling so angry this week about the way those two treated Blythe. Mm. There there were so many moments when it seems like Fox just ignores Blythe's calls Or Blythe is calling him and he won't answer, won't answer. And then all of a sudden, Gemma answers his phone. That moment with the painting, she asks him for it. He claims he has no idea idea. where that painting is. And it turns out it's been in Violet's fucking room this whole time. Mm -hmm. So it's a blatant, flat out lie. And then this story about how he saw Violet cut up all her clothes when she was a little kid. Oh, my God. And he has the nerve to like laugh about it. And he, he like, is chuckling that he never thought to tell her or what. I, just there were so many moments of disrespect Complete towards disrespect. her from the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
2: would have been a great moment where you could have sided with her and be like, okay, I see where you're coming from. Right.
1: There was a sign prior to Hello? that. I could see that there was something off about our daughter. Right. Do you guys think he? there was a point in time that he was just in denial? That he couldn't face reality and the the reality was hitting him right in the face and he just couldn't deal with it. I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here because I questioned it for a second being like he just couldn't – he couldn't deal with it. That he – his own offspring could be that evil.
2: I don't know because Violet really was different with him than she was with Blythe. And so I can see how he did not see what Blythe did because she was a completely different person around him. Right.
0: Yeah, I – was have been really hard on Fox, and I am not He's taking sh- any of it back because I do he think shouldn't. he is a shit bag. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I did, <laughs> but I did find myself having some empathy for his situation this week because I thought, you know what, he was shitty to Blythe, fine, but he did what I hope any parent would do, which is he believed his kid and he stuck by his kid. This is a weird ass situation where that happened to be the wrong thing. But I would think as any parent, that's what you strive to do is protect your child, take care of your child and believe them at all costs until you know otherwise. And he just, like you said, Emma, he just never saw any reason to think otherwise.
2: Mm. I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but that's also why I thought that moment was really beautiful in a weird way. When Blythe ended up being a chaperone at the apple orchard trip oh and my then God. she witnessed the bullying of the other girls oh. and she felt so so sympathetic mm-hmm. um or empathetic <laughs> for violet because she realized that she hasn't had an easy time with these girls and so despite mm-hmm. all of the all of the shit with her she still was able to to feel maternal in that moment yes. and and then especially when she thought she lost her her sense of terror oh, you my know God. you can really tell that she yes it's a fucked up relationship but she mm. is still her mom and she still mm. wants her to be okay
1: yeah and protecting her with the bracelet when she found the bracelet that she had made oh, for yeah, those girls right. and then and hiding asking it. those girls did one of you drop this mm-hmm. like Calling
2: them out in a mm-hmm. way, right? If that was her mom, her mom wouldn't have done that for her. Cecilia no. wouldn't have done no. that. Hell no. no, Cecilia wouldn't be Edna on that wouldn't trip. wouldn't have done that. No, yeah, no,
0: yeah, no. Exactly. I thought there was something really interesting going on in these chapters with Violet and her relationship to her dark side. There's that moment where she and Blythe are having breakfast, and Blythe tells her she's glad that Violet has someone like Gemma in her life, somebody that she can trust. And I think Violet gets really angry because she meant for her relationship with Gemma to hurt Blythe. So she storms out and Blythe ends up grabbing her. And Blythe describes enjoying for this one moment hurting her. And Violet like fucking loves it. She encourages her to like keep on hurting her. She like loves getting this rise out of Blythe and being Mm -hmm. able to control her in a sense. And for a minute, I found myself wondering if what Violet is enjoying is the confirmation that she and Blythe are the same. Blythe looks at her like she's some sort of an evil monster for the things that she's done. But in this moment, it's kind of confirmation that Blythe is evil, too. She has the ability not just to hurt, but to enjoy hurting Mm -hmm. someone. Mm. And I I just found that a really interesting, I wondered if that's why Blyde lets go and lets her run off, because there is a thread there. Mm -hmm. They're not the same, but for that minute they are. That's such a good point. Oh, yeah.
2: I started reflecting on my childhood while reading this last set of chapters and started to feel like I understood Violet a lot more than I did before. Ooh, Hmm. I know I keep calling her evil, and I've said <laughs> that I've had a hard time feeling empathetic towards her, which is true. But yeah. I realize I don't think that that's been totally fair. Mm. I was remembering how intense I was as a kid from the time I was young and even into my adolescence. I had an interview actually, to get into my performing arts high school, and the woman who interviewed me asked me how I would describe myself in one word, and I said, intense. And she oh. said, I can see that. Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah, this is 14-year-old Emma, y'all. Dang. Um, I've always felt really, really deeply in all spectrums. When I feel sad, I feel sad. When I'm angry, I'm angry. When I'm happy, I'm happy. So reading about that field trip to the orchard, I reflected on my immense insecurity and feelings of exclusion with the other girls in elementary school. Mm. And I also remembered that I had a lot of fears about my parents divorcing when I was a kid. And I have no idea where that came from, but I was so sure that they were going to get divorced anytime they had like a normal parental fight. Mm. I had a really heightened fear of death. I was extremely jealous of anyone who took attention away from me, including when I found oh. out my babysitter was having a baby. Because I knew that baby would become more important to her than I was. Oh my god. Right. Like Violet was when Sam was mm, born, you know, right. do you love him more yeah. than me?
0: I was but like, well, you already wow, had a little had brother moment. by that point, right?
2: Yeah, but I was also really jealous of him when he was born. Mm.
0: Interesting. Okay.
2: Um I even remembered there was a time that I packed up a knapsack of all the things that I thought were most important to me, and I slung it over my shoulder like they do in the movies, <laughs> and I ran away, meaning I walked down my street maybe two blocks, and then I came back. All this to say, I was like, wow, I have a lot of those violet moments in me, and I always have. Did either of you find yourself feeling more relatable to any of the characters that you hadn't connected to prior as we learned more about these characters' huh. journeys this week?
1: And if so, mm. why? Oh my goodness, Emma. <laughs> uh oh. Well, I can so. first of all, I can still relate to what you're saying right now, especially mm. with feeling like an intense person. Mm. I feel everything to the fullest and create so many worries in my mind that tend to haunt me for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, as for me reading these last few chapters, I felt relating so much to Blythe. Huh. Mm. Last week, I commented that I would... F- Find it nearly impossible to survive all this trauma, and I was so wrong in saying that. Blythe had the courage and the fortitude to move forward and found ways to cope. Mm -hmm. She did not give herself a time frame of how long it would take. Time was basically her ally. Mm -hmm. One of the moments that I believe was very significant in her for not giving up was when she said, I wasn't ready to be invincible yet. Mm. Mm. After the birth of her children, she did not want to become an image of, she did not want to become an image of what she once was. She wanted to continue having a voice and be a full woman in the world. I think her resilience and her and how she navigated to find her truth, the truth aided her in grieving.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: She ultimately found comfort in therapy and accepted, and pretty much accepted. Did being alone. Like I have mentioned in the last few weeks, my fear of losing myself is real, of becoming invincible. That is real. So as long as I fight it and feel what I need to feel at the time in the back of my mind, I still know that I can give myself permission to move past that. Mm-hmm. She also did something I'm trying to do right now, and something my mom especially has done. She purposely went about motherhood very differently than her own mother and grandmother yeah. did. Yeah. She cared and loved her children tremendously, disregarding everything regardless. Because as you mentioned just recently, Emma, the whole scenario with the orchard, like you could really see how loving of a mother she was. Yeah. And ultimately, she didn't give up on them. Yeah.
2: So now you're that tenacious mama.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm becoming that tenacious mama. Yeah. Well, to be completely awkward, <laughs> I found myself really feeling for Cecilia this week. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I think it was so selfish of her to leave the way she did. And I feel like obviously we've spent the whole book like hearing about Cecilia's mistakes and, and the bad things that she's done and how she hurt Blythe. but. This week, I found myself wondering if it's possible that she thought that she was doing what was best for Blythe by leaving. She has that heartbreaking line this week where she says, you you don't have to be a mother. She says that to Blythe. Mm-hmm. And then she goes on to say, I don't want you to be like me, but I don't know how to teach you to be any different. Mm-hmm. Right. Ridge and then was left like, the next day. <gasps> and she left the next day. And I yeah. thought, like, by does she possibly think that by leaving she's giving her daughter a better chance? Like, does she think mm-hmm. that she's so worthless as a mom that her daughter would be better off without her? And I also I had that image of Edda hanging from the tree, and I I wondered, like, does Cecilia think that by leaving she's sparing her daughter Having to see her that way someday, you know what I mean? Having to eventually see her hanging from a tree if if she has to stay in this life that she hates so much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And just the way she ended up pregnant and the reasons that she had to keep it and that horrible right. choice that she's given where it's like, you know, we're either having this baby or you're returning home and you can ask, you know, you can ask your stepdad for abortion money. Right. She just had no options. She didn't. And I fucking hated that and felt yeah. so horrible
1: for her. There was a quote that I wrote down. As quickly as she found the city, she lost it. Yeah.
2: Oh, and I, that oh. broke
1: my heart. If you think about what she wanted, yeah. she just wanted to take it out. She finally had it. And then she had to make this she choice. She got trapped. her dream
0: for a mm-hmm. second. She mm-hmm. got to taste it. It was and right it there. Taken away. Yeah. Mm.
2: Because she mm. quotes, she felt trapped and foolish and gave in yeah yeah and i think she would have left seb for lenny and she so would have too. started an
0: entirely new life probably. with him a t- an entirely then, new chapter yeah probably yeah agreed and i don't know if she would have stayed with lenny for that long like she just kind of seems no. like a free spirit mm-hmm. who yeah wanted to do her thing she just mm-hmm. didn't get a chance
1: well, even with Richard, right? She doesn't stay with him too. I mean, it seems like she's not going to stay
0: with him for too far longer. Once right. he's left the city, tolerate it though. Like he seems to be okay, more okay at least than Seb was. Yeah, yeah, but that nasty
2: way that these chapters ended, where he invited Blythe over just that to was see horrific. her. Yeah. I was like,
0: ew. She's yeah. going to see using her that. daughter as a pawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But she ate it up too when when Seb comes to pick Blythe up. Blythe makes a comment about how she hangs out in the door for an extra second just to make sure that Seb could see her and how well she was doing now. Like, she doesn't seem that different from Richard in that regard. I think she minded him inviting Blythe over because she didn't really want to see Blythe, maybe. But I don't think she minded how calloused that Mm. was. Mm. So no one related to Fox
2: well, Jet. I did say
0: earlier that <laughs> I, I didn't relate to him, but I, I had uh, empathy I. for his mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. This is not like part of my question, but I'm just curious, too, because that fucking terrifying moment when Blythe is in the mom's group, when Fox sees her, and then they yeah. have that incredibly awkward confrontation, and she realizes that he's wearing the coat that she gave oh. him for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was so scary to me because that used to be one of my biggest fears that I would run into like a serious ex, and like not know how to behave. So I was wondering in that moment, like, have either of have either of you had that moment of running into running into someone that you didn't want to see and and be in a moment of uh, weakness or when you didn't want that to be
1: when you didn't yeah. want to be seen?
2: You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I definitely have you have me too yeah there the dancer that i mentioned to you guys oh yeah Yes. Uh, what was that? We, that, we remember that. The short dance. story. <laughs> <laughs> when I was still living in the Heights, we actually ended up going to the same gym. And the first time I ran into him <laughs> in that gym oh in the New York Sports Club, God. I was all sweaty. I was like right. dredged with no makeup, like not prepared at all <laughs> to be like, hey, what's uh. up? So it was just a very, very awkward encounter. <laughs>
0: I'm curious. Already, I just think so. it's fun
2: thinking about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I um, I would. This was years ago, and it wasn't somebody that I had really dated, but it was somebody that, like, basically the guy that I was like in love with in college. Mm-hmm. And I think I can't remember if Jason and I were already married or not, but we ran into him at a fruit, a local fruit stand here because oh. we live in Astoria, and so did he at the time. <laughs>
2: It's a nice set of melons you got there.
0: (laughs) Um, It's like a huge outdoor fruit market. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say it's a fruit stand, but I literally turned around and he was just standing there. And he wasn't facing me. He was facing the front of the store, but so conspicuously that it was clear he had seen me and decided to come in. But then was like pretending not to look at me or something. So I'm looking straight at him. And you guys, I don't know why to this day, but my first instinct was to run. I was like, I've just got to run and get the fuck out of here. And I grabbed Jason. I was like, we've got to go. And uh, we left. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, my God. And I haven't
0: talked to him since. I don't. I haven't seen him since. I was just like, my my panic went off. And I was just like, this is not happening. Wow. Yeah. I I was literally like, I'm not doing this. Wow. Have you had this yet, Emma?
2: Yeah, back in college, though, it wasn't even like a good story. I just I I went to a concert at a huge music venue and I ran into my ex um, from college and I was just so awkward. It was like, hey, <laughs> and then I was I grabbed my friend and I was like, we have to go to the bathroom right now. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and <then it> was, <laughs> and That was the escape. <laughs> yeah, there's no natural segue for this, but there's something that I wanted to ask both of you that I was I couldn't. I want to hear your perspectives. How does Blythe know Etta's history, story, and Cecilia's story, history?
0: I wonder You know, that that's too. a good question. I didn't even think of that. They do. Those sections do seem to exist outside of the book a little bit. Do you know what even I mean? The because way- they're in italics. I t- yeah. Yeah, like they don't seem to be a part of the story that she's writing to Telling. Fox. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if those were moments where Ashley is just talking to us, like filling us in on backstory. Of what happened. Mm -hmm. Because it also doesn't seem like Cecilia ever would have told Blythe anything about Etta. Though I am curious Mm. with the
1: conversation, that conversation that she had with Sep with her dad, if maybe that's Mm -hmm. how she was a little bit more informed of what that past was like that night that they
0: got drunk. Interesting. Well, because Fox also does seem to have a sense that she's had this terrible past. Right. Well, I guess just because she has no family. and But it does seem like he knows of this troubled lineage, mm-hmm. this troubled motherhood lineage or something. And that mm-hmm. seems to be what's guiding the way he feels about her in relationship to Violet. But, I mean, that could just be as deep as her mom left her when she was young and
2: her mom left her. It doesn't have to be all the details. Right. Right. So I'm sure he does know that. Yeah, that's a really good point, though. I didn't even think of that.
1: Well, if we're talking a little bit about dads here, kind of want to give a moment to dads Even though (laughs) the subject matter of this book, we focused mainly on chatting about fatherhood. But I I would love to take the opportunity, or at least in our last episode, to talk about our dads and fatherhood. The sadly poignant way Ashley described when Seb dropped off Blythe at college made me reminisce about the day I had to say goodbye to my parents. Especially my dad when they dropped me off at school. Blythe remembers on the day he dropped me off at my college dorm. He kissed me goodbye on the head and walked away quietly. Hmm. When I looked out the window hours later, he was still there, leaning against a tree, looking up at my building. I closed the curtain before he saw me looking out. I think often about that, the way he stood there. (laughs) This brought me back and brought back so many emotions. Do you ladies remember what that goodbye was like with your dads when they either dropped you off or when you took off to start your new independent stage of life? Let's talk dads, shall we?
0: They deserve a minute. (laughs) They do. Oh,
2: that made me really sad too because I also remembered that day when my parents dropped me off at college and I thought I was going to be so cool about it. And I was actually terrible about the whole situation. Like the second they said bye, I was a mess. And I think part of that is because because of how my dad was. Because my mom, she's always shown her emotions on her sleeve. You know, she's Mm. very comfortable crying, (laughs) which is where I get that from. But my dad... I don't remember aside from when my dad found out that his mom died, I actually don't remember another time that I saw my dad cry until he dropped me off at school and he put on his sunglasses and I knew what was going on oh. and it just wrecked me in a way that I just wasn't ex- I, w- I wasn't ready for yeah and um and i think to make things even worse he had written me like a three page letter that he sealed <gasps> in an envelope oh my god that i think i read that first night and um, i went, oh i read it in the bathroom and i cried <clears throat> so hard i ran the shower <laughs> oh i don't think i've ever told him that but um oh my god it was hard it was you know it was it a was sad oh. all around but i think that really sweet touch my dad is really good at romantic s- not okay yeah he's a romantic person and <laughs> yes. and he is well he doesn't you know cry as quickly as my mom or i do you can yeah. tell he feels really really deeply mm. and he's he's always been really good with sweet touches in a way that set the bar really high you know to go back to expectations conversations my dad was for sure the beginning of that um the second year that i went to italy to to work and to live for two months so my dad and i had gotten on this tradition that he started where he texts me every friday night to say good shabbos now he doesn't because now we have Shabbat together. Right. But prior to the pandemic, he texted me every Friday night, good Shabbos. It was something I could rely on. Mm. And so when I went to Italy and we had the long distance and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to text, he had sent me a like a little package. And he said, bring this with you to Italy. And there was a different envelope. And he said, each one was marked for each Friday night for me to open it. Oh. And in each oh. one, it said, good Shabbos. That's which, all it said? You know, I don't even remember if it said anything else. He had sent other cute little oh things my with God. it. But the fact that he had thought ahead, he had pre-planned a way oh to goodness. be able to say that. To that. I mean, those are the things, those are the thoughtful gestures that he does that really make it hard to imagine anyone else being able to
0: yeah, to meet that. Do you know what to I mean? To live up to that.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the other, the, the last thing that, that always really got me was, oh, and every Sunday he texts me the spelling bee from the New York Times magazine. Oh. It's like a word game. And I honestly, I rarely ever do them, to be honest, because I forget or, or I just don't really have the time or I don't think about it. But I love he's so consistent. And if he's out of town and he doesn't have access to it, he'll text me and say, I don't have the magazine. I, I'll i get the spelling to you as the spelling B to you as soon as I can. And he always does. And I just I love, love
0: that he does it even though you don't. Do I don't know it. that he knows
2: that I don't do
0: it. Oh, well, he
2: knows now. If he listens to this, he might know. Sometimes I do. Like if I'm on set and I have hours, you know, that it's a great time to do it. Sure. So, yeah, I just love, you know, there's this beautiful now relationship between us that didn't exist before I went to college. It's not that we weren't close, Mm -hmm. but we definitely got closer once I left because Mm -hmm. I think he started getting so creative with ways to stay in touch. And now it's that's so wonderful. It's this it beautiful is. thing that I will always cherish. Yeah,
0: that makes me want to cry. I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I'm not crying. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I'll I also will never forget my parents dropping me off for college. My whole family came from Texas to bring me to New York. So it was my mom, my dad, my sister Chablis and Chardonnay, who was literally a baby at that point. I don't even know. Oh my know. goodness. Wow. I don't even yeah, she must have been about a year old. Oh my goodness. Came. Um and I had never been here before. Um, so scary. Yeah, it was scary. And we had like a rough start to the trip because the place where we were supposed to stay ended up being kind of terrible that first night that we were there and we had the baby with us. Mm. So it took us like, a you know, a few hours to sort of find a new place and get settled and all this kind of stuff. Um, but thankfully, we got it all figured out. And then towards the end of our trip, I just remember we were all having lunch together somewhere and it was all just becoming really real. And so I started to cry at the table. You did at lunch. I just <laughs> Mariana's was like, like we found
2: you in.
0: <laughs> I was like sobbing all of a sudden, and my dad, my dad is so sweet. He looks at me and he goes, "I don't care how much we've paid in tuition." If you don't want to stay, we'll pack you up right now. We'll take you home. That is so... What's his name? Jack? Joe. Joe. So
2: Joe Bravo.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And my mom was super quick to jump in and be like, no she's gonna stay (laughs) and I did stay and everything was fine but I'll just never forget that moment with my dad because he's he's worked so hard he Mm. and my mom are completely self-made they literally started with zero dollars and they've just done so well for themselves but at that point for him to to be like I don't care how much we've paid you want to come home you're coming home and it's just so so indicative of like the kind of person that he is um so, yeah. Anyway, I stayed. It was all fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you lived out your dream. <laughs> yeah. Nice dad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Similarly to both of you, I, I remember exactly everything that happened that day, even to what I was wearing when my parents oh. dropped me off at Fordham.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we actually wow. had
1: the fortune of staying. You know, I, I have a really good memory, but some of these memories are, like, really detailed. Anyway, we had, we stayed at um, an extended family member's apartment for the weekend mm. and took about five suitcases with all my belongings oh on the cross bus <laughs> for them to help me set up my dorm room pretty oh. much. Oh, There were so many activities for the incoming freshmen that week and specifically that day. So we had decided it would be easier for us to say goodbye in the middle of the day, right in front on the stoop at Fordham. We hugged and hugged and hugged and hugged and hugged. And I didn't want to let go. And I could just see my dad. And my dad is such a compassionate man, similarly to your dad, to Fred Orlov. (laughs) He loves so intensely. And he just speaks with his eyes. Mm. For example, we never said, I love you. Until I became an adult. Like, we just, would not say it in person. We knew how much we felt for one another, but we just never actually said those words mm-hmm. to one another. I would say it to my mom all the time.
0: But Weird. with my dad,
1: it was just very, like, we knew it. Mm-hmm. Did we your dad and your mom it.
0: say it to no. each other?
1: No, they would never say, like, te quiero, te amo. But it was just by their affection towards one another that they you just could just knew. see the love. Aww. Yeah. And I'm such a, a daddy's little girl, and being his only, his overprotectiveness, yeah. and, and, and his ultimate dream for me was to always move back home. Hmm. That's how much he, <laughs> he loves me. Anyway, I, I left both my mom and my dad on the front stoop, stoop and waved at them. My parents told me many, many years later that they cried oh, on the stoop no. as I left they cried on the subway ride home, or to the place where they were staying. They cried on the flight. They cried for weeks on end until oh I came home my for Thanksgiving. But <laughs> that's months.
0: That's months because oh, no. I, you I mean, was their third wheel, so they just. That's you so know I was sad. it was part of them. That's so funny though cuz I feel like most parents now are like empty nest. Yeah, y- you, you know I mean? Like, they're so. so ready for it.
1: <laughs> and especially since they had me at 20 and 25, they were like now, you know, my mom was going to now have her career, my right. dad they were going to have their their oh, love nest again. You. But and I also think not until now until we found out I was pregnant my dad finally accepted that I was not coming back home. Like Aww. there was always this Idea that even with the family or even with Andrew, like we were going to come back home, but now it's not really coming back home. Home.
0: Well, NYC's got space. Your parents can <laughs> they can, they can yeah. move here. Yeah, from yeah. Florida, where it's yeah. beautiful and warm, where it's
1: gorgeous. Right. I know. <laughs> he actually even said for years that he wouldn't he wouldn't care about becoming a grandfather. But I think that deep down inside, it was the fears of him being oh. capable of loving so much as as he loves me and I like I'm telling you ladies my dad's love is so unreal I mean the perfect example is he fell in love with my mom at the age of 18 and he hasn't let go yeah like it's just that type <sighs> of deep I can see that love. I can
2: tell and I've never met him and I can tell what did I? yeah oh, well, maybe no maybe you met you've him met now. him you've met him
1: Via FaceTime, I think he just, like, waved at you guys, but you guys have never Yeah, we've never officially met. met.
2: But even from the video that you shared um, of the gender reveal, just his excitement and how many times he held up a pin or, like, a button or (laughs) a hat or a a teddy bear. I mean, he – you
0: can tell, yeah. Yeah. My favorite was his, oh, shit. (laughs) I'll just (laughs) never forget that. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would go down in history. We (laughs) love you, dads. We do. Even if you don't listen to this, we We love you.
2: This is totally unrelated to everything, but did either of you question how Violet knew that that blade was in Blythe's drawer?
0: Yes. She must be a little snoop, right? Like, she must have just been hunting around. Because I don't know how she would have known that that was there. Well, she must have known that Blythe was cutting herself. Like, she must have seen some you evidence. Think? Of She must have. So then she would know that there was an implement around. But she does seem like the type. I mean, she got she was a freaking toddler when she got into Blythe's closet and chopped up all her clothes. Like, this girl knows how to snoop and find shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. I guess, too, like, maybe she didn't know necessarily that the blade was there, but she was just looking for
2: something. That's a possibility, too. True.
0: I did find myself wondering, though, in that moment when, you know, the whole thing with the blade has happened. Mm -hmm. Gemma calls Blythe and is like, you know, Violet said this came from your house, from the laundry room or whatever it is. And right after Gemma calls, Blythe is sitting at the kitchen table with Violet and says nothing about it. She even comments, we're both sitting there. She knows that Gemma has called me. I know she took the blade why doesn't Blythe ever say anything to Violet about any of this stuff? Even when, you know, when she asked about the detergent, you've said shit like this before. Why are you asking about this? The moment when she she mouths the words, I pushed him. Oh, Why does it end mm-hmm. there? Why doesn't she press Violet for answers? Mm-hmm. Is she afraid of what could
1: what more could happen? Do you think that's
0: does it? She like maybe Violet that
2: it, Like Violet could do something to her.
0: Mhm. Ooh. Yeah, I guess. I found myself wondering like does she not want to know the truth? Is she afraid that Violet will run and tell Fox that Blythe is questioning her about this kind of stuff and then Fox is going to get angry? I I just was so confused about why Blythe doesn't question her more. Or is also there a part of her that still wants to protect her daughter? That if the truth actually
1: really does come out, then it's That's it's true. all gonna be so real and then they're gonna really have to deal with the consequences. Or she's what gonna she's have to done. deal with the consequences. Even yeah. though
2: she did tell Gemma. So if Gemma had believed her, that would have been bad.
0: And yeah. she told the authorities, right? When, she when baby Sam right. died, she told the police what oh, happened. Right. And they didn't right. believe her. No. And Fox has never believed her. So
2: maybe she's just like, she's like, what's the point? You know, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. She might just be so exhausted of dealing with it all.
0: Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to believe her until something happens. Until it happens. Which is what happens at the end of the book. <laughs> oh. the of the and I feel
2: so bad because I hate that something happened to a baby. I but know. I also was
0: like, vindication yes. like, at yeah. least it's vindication yeah and i also this is terrible but i couldn't help feeling like now fox is fucking getting his you know what i mean oh like, yeah Gemma's karma's a be, bitch yeah gemma <laughs> is gonna be done with you at this point now you've got to deal with violet mm-hmm. you've been shitting on Blythe for years and mm-hmm. she was the one who was right like but i do know what you mean where it was like a baby's been hurt like you can't celebrate too hard Mm-mm.
1: How about that moment with Blythe and Mrs. Ellington no. and Violet? Oh, my God. There was a point before I knew who she was going to visit or she was visiting that I thought it was Cecilia.
0: Yeah, I, oh. I agree. Because it's not mentioned that happen. she's black until after they leave. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment that you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny. I thought it
2: had to have been Mrs. Ellington. Oh, like, does did. Have... Yeah, because I was like, she doesn't have anyone else.
0: Like, she's, she loves her so much. Like, she was like mm. a mom to her. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When she talks about Mrs. Ellington going over to her dad's house right after he passes away, and she talks about how the house smells lemon fresh mm. and the sheets are yeah. changed, and she knows it's Miss Ellington because she mm-hmm. recognizes that scent, and she recognizes those sheets from the Ellington's guest bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's the kind of shit only a mom would do. Yeah. To go over there and clean that up yeah. for her. Yeah. That
2: moment, too, where she takes her, where she goes to see Mrs. Ellington and Violet asks her why she didn't see her mother. And she says, because I'm scared to know who she became. Mm -hmm. And then she admits that she's worried that her daughter will choose a life that doesn't include her and she'll be left behind. I think that's also such a vulnerable and real fear of mothers, oh yeah fathers too yeah but I do think that there's a there's a connection that mom and baby have because the baby was inside of you yeah to fear that you're going to that fear of being left behind and feeling that you won't like you'll lose connection I mean it's funny because like my mom and I are super close but we talk nearly we don't talk nearly as much now as we used to and I'm 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 scared sometimes that she is that she feels like she maybe is like missing out on things which Mm. she's never voiced to me but I just Mm -hmm. wonder because we used to talk all the time when I was homesick in college I called her like once a week and and now I rarely call and so um (laughs) Irene if you're listening to this (laughs) <laughs> Just know that listening. I think about. You. I realized Aww. that after I after I started <laughs> saying this, and I was like, "Oh shit! I didn't mean to put her on blast." But <laughs> um, I do, you know. I think that there's there's that connection between mom and daughter that mm-hmm. you want them to know that yes, you're still there, and you think about them all the time, yeah. and that fear is a is a
0: real fear. It's, it's real. Yeah, it was hinted at also in that moment. I can't remember if it was in th- these chapters or the chapters we read last week where. Blythe is going to that cafe and sees that other writer who's there writing. And then at one point she realizes that he's sitting there with his parents and now he's just bought a house and it sounds like his wife has just had a baby. Mm -hmm. And his mom says like, oh, like I could come and stay for the first few weeks or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, I think her mom is going to come stay, right. but maybe after that. And the mom responds really amicably and well, but Blythe mm-hmm. can see it, that it hurt her. And but she says it. something along the lines of like, a mother's heart breaks in a thousand oh, my God. silent yes. ways yes. over the course yes. of her child's life or something like that. And I was like, oh,
1: my God.
2: What a line. Whoa. What a line. I
1: know. Yeah. That, yeah. that moment really made me start thinking about my mother-in-law, about Nancy. Because that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah, Because my course. mom is going to be the one to stay with us once the baby's born. And then it will be like Nancy's turn. But I'm sure Nancy would want to be, you know, here from yeah. the beginning. But so of course, you want your mom.
0: Yeah, like it's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to ask you ladies a question. Now. At the end of the book... <laughs> <laughs> This was something that was a little baffling to me. At the end of the book, Blythe still seems to love and long for Violet, despite everything she's done, including, as we've talked about, this admission that she did, in fact, push baby Sam. And I was so confused by how she could still feel so attached to Violet and feel so much love for her mm. until I try to think of things that I love or have loved that are bad for me or have a negative mm. effect on my life that I just still can't freaking let go of. Mm. So I wanted to know, big or small, is there something in your life that's terrible for you or that's hard on you that you just can't bear to let go of? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nothing yeah,
1: whatever. who am i kidding right uh, this is going to be interesting to date my biggest hurdle and something i obsess over every day is my
0: ideal weight oh and ah. exercise wow that's a well the weight part surprises me
1: because
0: mm. mm. you're always so trim like you're always so but it's because, because
1: I I obsess over. It. I, I I make it a point mm, to yeah. to stay a certain way, mm. let's say. And and mostly, I mean, everything that I do is good now after I've gone through my my problems and I'm living a very healthy lifestyle. Uh-huh. But my mind, not so much because it is and it's become an obsession and it's become become a daily a daily struggle mm-hmm. you know from a very young age my my self-worth and my self-confidence was closely related to my weight mm-hmm. or how a certain piece of clothing fit yeah mm-hmm. and i can trace it all the way back to things that my grandmother would tell me or how she would judge other women around her just like etta and just like cecilia yeah and she did not fully understand the effects that it would have on me or that they or would continue having on me. When I was dealing with my injuries, the main reason I was so down and not feeling like myself was because I was not working out like I used to and I wasn't burning off the caloric intake. And it's so interesting because when you pose this question, I literally had a conversation with my therapist this past week <laughs> just about this. That I'm now realizing that one pretty plausible reason for me being able to get pregnant when I did, it's because over that vacation, I finally gave myself permission to eat freely. And it wasn't wow. like I was overeating. I was just not the whole mind like that mind fuck that I was doing with myself wasn't there. I was just like wow. i'm I'm just letting it.
0: Go. What enabled you to do that? I
1: have no idea. I have no idea. Wow. I don't know if it was because of the pandemic, because I was working so much on myself, because I was just trying to be present and and being present is not having the, that little voice in the back of my mind. No, you can't be doing this because now you're going to have to work out. Mm-hmm. I was just fully invested in what was happening mm-hmm. in the moment.
2: Yeah, and maybe you were just also really happy.
1: Yeah because i finally was with family i was yeah. i was present i was yeah. enjoying life for what it was and i wasn't reprimanding myself for not doing what i needed to do every single moment
2: wow that's really fascinating
1: yeah like my body finally relaxed mm-hmm. and 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 now being pregnant i i don't i'm not denying my fear of my body changing and the acknowledgement of the fact that i will have to work extra hard to get it back to where it once was but again it's uh, i have to change my mindset and remember that i am a woman one that is beautiful and strong yes and no matter how many times i've worked out or what size i currently am that that doesn't that really doesn't matter in the yeah. grand scheme of things it doesn't matter there's more to life than my looks and my weight
0: I guess that's kind yeah. of where I'm going. Well, and now you're, it's your baby's health. It's right. not even just yours. It's it's your little Well, that's one. the
1: thing. It's yeah. a work in progress. Right. But I, again, my baby girl is being my teacher uh-huh. because I'm having to learn the lesson while being pregnant. Mm-hmm.
2: And also just, I guess, finding that gratitude that your body's even capable of doing
1: what yeah. it has to
2: to support a healthy that's baby. That's thing.
1: That's the thing. Like, oh, I think yeah. if if
2: you can just keep cycling, like, how amazing is it that your body can can provide a space to grow a healthy human inside right. of you? That I mean,
1: it's mind. blowing It's a
2: lot, right? The whole the whole journey is is a is a big one. Um, but I'm I'm so excited for you that you're like finding I know. that. Yeah piece of of what is coming
1: because you know it's yeah it's it's a big change and like you said why did that happen in, on vacation emma because i was happy why is, am i allowing this to finally sink now because i'm happy and yeah. i just have to let that set in that this yeah. is bringing me happiness and i have to just get rid of all the extra all the additional baggage that i've been carrying for a long time mm-hmm. You're letting yourself
2: be like the wild woman, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. you're running with the wolves, <laughs> you're, <laughs> oh, yes. you're letting that wild side out. That's the one that like, doesn't hold on to control as much. And that feels scary yeah. and crazy, mm-hmm. but like, that's our, our inherent nature. So I think you're it like is. tapping into something that goes back generations ago, which is really fucking cool. If you ask me. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is a very, very, yeah. very true. Kudos for you. So I love this question, Brandy. Thank you for asking. Mm.
0: I loved your answer. Mm. I have to say, every time you bring up your eating disorder, it always surprises me because, you know, we've been out to eat a bunch of times together. Like, you know, we we've had meals together many, many times, and it's never something that I witness, I feel like. I don't see that struggle in you. So every time you bring it up I'm a little bit like, "Oh yeah, she still she still struggles with that. She's still dealing with mm-hmm. that." Mm-hmm. So I always appreciate you talking about it because you seem so you seem well. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I forget sometimes that you do have that inner dialogue happening, yeah. but I'm I'm so I'm so happy to hear that you're harnessing your willpower and mm dominating it yeah and so okay. open about thank it thank you thank yes. you
1: yes. well this this has been doing this podcast and now that we are celebrating our last episode <laughs> it's allowed me to really express things that I haven't been able to and I'm hoping that by me expressing those struggles that if there's a listener out there that's dealing with something similar mm-hmm. that if you do talk about it and you do reflect on it things do get better and yeah. it takes time mm-hmm. yeah yeah Time is on our side right now.
2: Yeah. Well, I feel kind of shitty Me? following
1: that. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Come on.
2: No, cuz I mean that was a really like that was a vulnerable like thoughtful true answer. And and my answers are are pretty, you know, Brandy you said no matter how big or small. <laughs> yeah, mine's not huge. <laughs> Mine so don't are pretty feel, small. Don't feel bad. Mine's small. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the 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 biggest one that I can think of is, is just being in, in to- the toxic relationships I was in that I knew were terrible for me. And I stayed in them oh, for yeah. way longer Long than I should have. And you know it's bad when you're journaling. Like, why am I doing this? Why can't I? Oh, and you're oh, talking yeah. to your friends about it. You know, when you're verbalizing it, it makes it real. Yet still, you still you're stop. still. Yeah. So that one for me. Um, honestly, until I met Ricardo, that was a really Mm. big struggle because I did that for a long time. Mm. Mm -hmm. But now my mind feel pretty petty. Um, (laughs) I have really bad acid reflux. So (laughs) I've been told I shouldn't drink coffee. I shouldn't drink alcohol. Mm. I can't eat anything acidic like tomatoes Mm. at nighttime. Yeah, I shouldn't eat, you know, past... 8 p.m. and I was like fuck that this is my one life.
0: Yeah. And so I still do well, I still do
2: all of those things that I'm not supposed to and I just deal with the repercussions and it's bad because I you know I I feel how it affects my my throat and my voice and my sinuses but I then I take other things to co- to make it okay because I'm not willing to uh, give up all of that stuff. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I know. Right? Caffeine and alcohol.
2: I couldn't do tomatoes. it. Tomatoes at <laughs> night. Fuck you. I love pasta <laughs> with tomato sauce.
1: <laughs> You're married to an Italian. You're right. To right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then my other small thing is I just I've really. I have a problem with buying things. I do. I will admit what? it. I am a shopper. <laughs> and since the pandemic, I think it's gotten worse because it's so easy. I used to never online shop. Mm. Now, oh, my God. I'll see an Same. Instagram ad and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need that or I want that. And I, I buy it in one click without even Taking that long to think about it,
0: yeah. And
2: I just did that massive purge, getting rid of all of this shit. Right? Why am I, I bringing things you. back in? I hate it. I'm mad at myself about it, but no. I'm still doing it. I just bought a really pretty robe.
0: <laughs> but a it's robe? pretty, and you're gonna use it. I mean, it's not yeah. pretty.
2: It is practical. It's like a 100 cotton like robe, and I was like, yeah, that feels comfort. You know, I'm living at home all the time. I should have like a comfortable. That sounds like a sustainable robe.
0: But, yeah. uh,
2: like, go fuck yourself. Like, I don't need that. I can, you know, put on my sweatpants. I have sweat things I can wear. Anyway, so <laughs> those are mine.
0: Wait, can I ask really quickly? So then, is the purge done? Are you still doing the purge it? purge
2: is done. The bags oh. are out of the house.
0: Wow. It's What's th- the total number? Yeah, wh- how many items?
2: Uh I don't remember what it was. It was what 423 or something like that. What? It's 400 That's plus same. Yet I
0: still have so much shit. It's amazing. Wow. wow. Well, good for you though for getting rid of that much stuff. Yeah. Thank you. So that's, that's crazy. That's why that's I guess I justify
2: stuff. it when I buy something. You know, Ricardo is like, what are you doing? You just got rid of all the stuff. And I'm like, that's why I'm allowed to buy You're
0: stuff. like, that's why I need more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the counterbalance. <Kinderbells.
2: laughs> it's awful.
0: Uh, you have well, any brandy? My... Yeah, of course yeah. I fucking do. <laughs> my negative, as I sit here chugging my freaking curtain call, is probably alcohol. <laughs> don't which say it I know I know It and it sounds like such a small thing so I feel silly saying it but I've gotten to a point in my life where I I eat pretty healthily thanks to Mariana I now exercise extremely regularly because <laughs> she talked me into the Peloton I'm oh, drinking yeah. tons of water constantly which I yes, never used to do are. that was always a battle for me yeah. we always see you with your glass of water always I'm never anywhere without my little <laughs> glass of water it's dry yeah. But every and every time I every time I grab a glass of wine or even one of our little cocktails or something, I remind myself like I I literally say it to myself, Brandy, this is poison. This is poison for you. No. It's poison. But I love it so much, and I don't <laughs> I don't drink to excess. You know, I don't I don't no. feel like I drink too much. But Unless like, you're with us, right? Exactly, that's I'm different with the two of you. But I don't know. I just I love the t- I. I love the taste of liquor. I love learning about different liquors. I like learning the flavor profiles and where, you know, different wines are from and all this stuff. So I feel like I allow myself in moderation. And I only get this one fucking damn life. So I'm not going to cut out alcohol. I don't give a shit how bad it is for me. I'll just have less of it. (laughs) And it's fine. The alcohol is my violet. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh,
1: shit. The thing yes. that's killing people. It's killing
0: me, but Salute I love it. Salute to that.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm rechasing. Okay. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> God. Dad. Well, any any other dark places we want to go to? Or, or are we okay to, to wrap up our season one finale here oh. with... the? Uh, with some fun questions.
0: I'm down I, for some fun questions. I'm down
1: for that too. Because
2: I've got a I've got a quick fire round of a few Ooh, questions whoa. that I want to ask you, but these are quick go go go. Okay. Okay, Ugh. ready? So yes. how are we gonna let's figure out the format Mariana in which we're go gonna first. do this.
1: Oh God, okay.
2: Okay, so Mariana answer and then Brandy answer and then do the next one. Okay.
1: Okay. Freddy. Oh ready. Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: okay. 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 Question number one. Would you rather have Violet as a daughter or Fox as a husband?
0: Fox is a husband. Same. Fox is a husband. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather
2: have your best clothes cut up in shreds? I'm looking at you, Mariana, or lose the kid, <laughs> or lose the kid you are babysitting in an apple orchard
1: temporarily? I would rather have my clothes shred up. Same. Cut up.
0: Same. Oh, I would rather lose the kids. What? (laughs) I said temporarily, temporarily. But you don't know it's going to be temporary. But I do. I know it's temporary. (laughs) And what if something happens during this
1: moment in time? I'm going to be a terrible mother. Truck driver. Moving on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather be caught by your ex-husband wearing a wig and posing as someone else, or be able to hear everyone's thoughts all the time?
0: Oh, I would want to hear everyone's thoughts all the time. Oh, no. Caught by my ex-husband. Oh, yeah, at me too. Th- <laughs> at least that's a one-time event. Like, that's done once it's over. <laughs> You're going to hear everybody's thoughts forever. <sighs>
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh, all right, thanks for I playing. I tend to assume too much, so I kind of want to know what everybody's <laughs> thinking. You'd rather know. I <laughs> see. <Yes. laughs> right, y'all. Oh my god. Thank you all so much for listening and for reading nine books with us. More than nine if you count our bonus episodes.
1: Yeah. Quickly I'm going to give a shout out to as many of you who have given us so much positive impact and 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 our podcast. Yes. Forgive me if I missed you. Amy and Chad Hudson, Shabli Bravo, Adrian Orozco, Joe Santana, Adela Antoinette, Irene and Fred Orlov, Amy J. Williams, Clay Drinko. Yeah. Dwayne Goza, Daniel K, Isaac, Daniel. Ashley, Monique, Menard, at Latina, at Lauren, at Books and Coffees underscore Hawaii, Avika <laughs> Deblay, <laughs> oh, yes, yes, no, Liv Callahan, Hot off the Shelves, Tori Ernst, Willa Burke, at Gabby's yeah, Bookshelf, author work. A I Golden, yeah. Susan Chaurabi and at Audrey Helps Actors yeah, Podcast, we love you all. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts yeah
2: this was our final episode of season one but next week we'll be offering a fun bonus season one wrap up episode Woo! choose yes. any of our cocktail or mocktail offerings from this season to enjoy while listening Yeah, yeah. head to our instagram page at are these books drunk for a recap of all your options so that you can read along and sip along with us cause, cause it's always, always- Ladies, happy hour here. Here. (laughs) Curtain (laughs) call. Cheers, my ladies. Cheers, ladies. Ciao for now.